Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. I'm going to tell you some real good news. Everybody is going to be excited about this. Today, for both services, I have prepared really, really well, but I only have four pages of notes for the whole day. How cool is that? Everybody says, come on now, when, when preachers got four pages of notes for two services, you know it's going to be a good day. And it was three, but I had to make the font bigger. <laughs> so we, we, we had this move. It was obviously quite significant, like I say, about a year ago, but it was so good. Man, it was good. We've settled in. It, the people on the ground and mastered and are just phenomenal. And it's just, I, I love that. It's kingdom of God, right? We are one family. We are one house with a whole bunch of rooms. And what I've seen is testament to that. It's been a, a great time there. So we've got the love from the kid. And then I just kind of want to show off a little bit, if that's okay. So I've got a few photos of um, my castle. So that's a fairly bold statement. Um, one, cool, one cool story, how many know no weapon formed against me will prosper? There was a woman that really didn't like the church. So what she did is she went to the council and said, hey, I want a heritage list, that building. Now what that means is we can't do anything with the front of that building. So that has to stay like that now. And so for her, that was like a little victory over the church. She probably thought that was good. But what it means is I can get about a quarter of a million dollars for earthquake strengthening. <laughs> <laughs> So there's encouragement, number one. Doesn't matter what life looks like. Doesn't matter who's coming against you. How many know that even the best laid plans of the enemy end up with you, quarter of a million dollars of, of the money of the world? I think that is so cool. We'll go on a little bit. We'll go through these. This is my office. Matt has an office. And so I get in there every morning, and I'm just going to start in this place. Every morning, I have no idea what I'm doing. Anybody else have no idea what they're doing in life? So every morning, I sit at my desk. The first thing I do is I see unqualified. The only thing that can qualify me, the only way that I know that I will do a good job is if I lean on the Holy Spirit. So every morning, I have this privilege of saying, Holy Spirit, show me what I need to do, because if I do it by myself, I don't know if anything's going to get done. So that's a little reminder. But, you know, pastoral care couches. Can you imagine doing Matt doing pastoral care sessions? Let's go on to the next one. That's the view from my office window. Ba-boom, on to the next one. It's the Tower of Rangers. It's pretty incredible. I drive up. This is, I've just driven away from um, one of the guys has an engineering workshop, and I've driven. There's a train track here, and that's what you see. It's pretty incredible. We'll keep going. That's church all out Sunday. We've got a good family there, good environment, keep going through. We have uprisings, like I say, kingdom works everywhere, man. Keep going, it's a good time. Got heaps of community opportunities. The top right there looks like a church event, but that is our uh, graduation from holiday program. We have an after school and holiday program, and it's just opened up the, to the community. So they come in, they see what we're doing. Down the bottom, there's a, that's our kids' building. So I've got a whole building for the kids, but that one cannot be earthquake strengthened. So I've got to knock that whole thing down. But how many know I'm just going, right, I have to knock it down. There's probably going to be a way that God's going to pay for a new one slash. It might even be better than what it looks like currently now. So that's pretty exciting as well. I've done lots of renovations. That's for our moms. Keep going on through. Might be the end of it, is it? We have a climbing wall. We have a climbing wall, which is pretty awesome. 
I, I sometimes, uh, I need a little bit of a brain break, so I go down and I like work on holding on and see how long I can hold on for, and when I first got there, it was not very long, but we're getting slowly better. I've got a boxing bag that's set up right there just in case. Up in the, the middle there is a rope swing, so you jump off that ledge on a rope out over the room, abseiling wall, so it's good fun. We're reaching the community in some pretty, um, pretty cool ways. And, you know, the church has been around since 1983. And um, just some amazing testimonies. I, lo- I love what God can do right throughout the country. I'm enjoying living in the Wairapa a lot more than I thought that I would. Um, you know, on sunny days, there's just no wind in summer. Anyone up for a sunny day with no wind? Sit out in the backyard, I'm like, <sighs> Need to find a river, so that's like five minutes to the river. Come on. Come on now. You're welcome to come for a visit. As Justine said, we'd love to see you. But here's the thing. I'll know who loves us because Macedon's not really on the way to anywhere. It's not like, oh, yep, cool, we're going there, so we'll just, might as well stop and see Matt and Justine. So I know that if I see you, you really like me, and that'll be exciting as well. <laughs> Destination wire rapper. The, the primary exports of the Wairapa are milk and honey. So it's not even an analogy. It is literally the land flowing with milk and honey. And number three, grapes that have been put under a bit of pressure and then given some time to do their thing. If you know what that is, good on you. If you don't, that's totally fine as well. Very good, very good. So I'm going to pray, is that all right? Because I need God's help. This morning, Holy Spirit, I thank you that your kingdom would come, your will would be done in just a little bit more of a way this morning. In this moment, I'd just take a a second to mark myself with the cross of Jesus so that no words that leave my lips would, would be flesh empowered, but that every word this morning would be empowered by the Spirit would be empowered and would carry the weight of the word of God. I thank you that what comes this morning would bring harvest and multiple lives that we would see out of these testimonies, Lord, just an opportunity to declare, do it again. So Father, this morning, I thank you. I give you praise. I give you glory as it is in heaven. Let it be this morning. Amen. Amen. So testimony number one, I want to talk about our personal finances. Anybody would like a little bit of encouragement around personal finances? Yeah, we'll start there. So Justine and I, when when we moved, um, we've we've been given a a vehicle with a fuel card. So if I take that out of the equation, for us to move to Macedon, this may be a bit too honest, but it doesn't really matter, was $30,000 a year decision. Right? And that was with where we were currently, not where my job was heading with physio, et cetera, et cetera, the contracts that I was doing. So it never came into the conversation, but it is a pretty big decision. And so um, there are some cool testimonies that have flown out of that. We've got our house still on Avonhead Road here, and so that's pretty awesome. Um, but we put it up for rent in sort of November, and it was like no one really starts renting a house in November, December. So I sort of believed, hey, God, I've got two options. Either I know you will fill the house supernaturally with tenants, 
or otherwise you'll provide the finances to bridge a gap. I know you can provide, so I'm, gonna, I'm kinda gonna put a little bit of a, a test here, just see what happens. And we found that we had just the, the perfect amount of money from my last paycheck, which was pretty good from physio finishing up a whole lot of contracts. Had, just, had the right amount of money to get through there. And also, we are able to buy a new bed because in our move, our bed got wrecked. So the first couple of nights that we were there, Justine was like, nah, something has to shift. I was like, oh man, that was like my little emergency fund and that's gonna eat up the whole thing. <sighs> Not really sure about this, but anyway, we went out, got a bed, 60% off. Turns out you can't buy a bed full price these days. Someone's, <laughs> someone, someone's got a sale somewhere. <laughs> so that was good. And you know, the guys were pr- pretty helpful. And then um, Justine just, you know, as she does, sent in a little thing saying to, is there insurance for this? In insurance, you probably need to take photos or have them the evidence, whatever that, you know, whatever's happened has happened. But these guys had already taken our old mattress away, so we had nothing there. But anyway, the insurance came through, they paid us, so up goes Matt's emergency fund again. That was exciting. Woohoo! <laughs> um, earlier in the year, we had Pastor Bruce, and I think he might have brought this message here as well, but he left me with this line uh, don't borrow money to pay for coal. Well, don't borrow money to buy coal. Did he bring that message here? And that really struck me. He said, you know, pay your bills and then believe God for food if you have to. So even with that extra $30,000 a year, um, we, we probably never really thought too much about that whole sphere and, and we probably just, in hindsight, bought what we wanted to buy and all of those things, um, which was fine. But also within that, we somehow went to Masterton with about $6,500 just under of, on a credit card debt. So, yep, good financial management, Matt, well done. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, man, now I've got that, and we've taken this hit in the income. I've got really no idea what's going to happen there. And I really still have no idea what happened there. But on Thursday, I paid off the last dollar on our credit card. I, I don't know how. I honestly don't. There, we get a little bit of tax back. Um, from tithing and stuff, so that went away there, but just to have, (laughs) so it's just been kind of crazy, and sometimes, you know, we've had 100 bucks for a fortnight for groceries, which as a man doesn't feel particularly good to be providing like that for your family, but I've just gone, hey God, well, I've paid all my bills, I've done what you've asked me to do, I've been faithful, I've been generous where I felt like I should be generous, so I need you, and there'll be, you know, some meat turns up, or someone will invite us for a meal, or something like that, and God has just provided, as you can tell, I haven't starved. still living off the fat of the land. <laughs> but here's the thing, what it did take was we had to reorder a few things. And now it's easy for me to say, I wish I had done this about five or six years ago. But just the whole idea of, of reordering finances and, and how everything looks there and you know, this not buying and not borrowing money to pay for coal, things that are just gonna be used up. And so as a, as a pretty obvious principle, but something that we never enacted, can I just say, we're called to be stewards Right, And so whether you feel like you have plenty, don't really have to think too much about what you're going to buy, or whether you feel like, flip, I don't know how this is going to work. Life isn't going to change unless we learn how to manage more. God can, God can break through. There can be miraculous provisions. There can be a wide envelope. But unless we are putting steps in place where we are going, hey, I'm getting wiser, I'm getting smarter. We, Esther, Pastor Esther Elliot Greenwood, sorry, Pastor Esther Greenwood, at Shout, 
brought this message and said, hey, we get these wilderness miracles. So an envelope turns up. Great, awesome, there's manna, brilliant. But it's just got a little faint taste of honeydew. When what we are called to is to live in a land flowing with milk and honey. But what it means is we stand on the edge of our inheritance and we think within a Western framework that inheritance means my dad dies and I get what he had. But for the Israelites, the biblical picture of inheritance, as you probably well know, is that they come to the promised land and now they have to go in, they have to dispossess giants, they have to fight, they have to work, they have to tend the land. The kingdom of heaven is a land flowing with milk and honey, but it doesn't flow with milk and honey if we leave it in a state of disrepair. And so one of the things that I've found is it's actually not that hard to put things in order in my life. And it's easy for me to stand here and say, well, I wish I had done that years ago. But I've started. We're heading in a good direction. So a word of encouragement today. Believe for the miracles in the wilderness. Believe for the provision. But there will come a time when it's like, actually, you know what? I'm probably at the edge of the promised land. I'm going to have to cross over. Now I'm going to have to go and fight. I'm going to have to work for the promises that God have for me. It's not a handout. It's not even a hand up. It's just a, here's an open space. Go get them. Yeah? Cool. So that's testimony number one. God is good. God is faithful. God is able to supply all of our needs according to the poverty of Christ Jesus. No, according to the riches of Christ Jesus. Now, as I've said before, I consider myself the richest man on earth because of the enlargement of our family space, because of the time there. But you do need money to live. And so that whole space, is just I've just seen that expansion. So that's testament number one. Testament number two. I came into the church um, and you could probably say that it was called an Equippers church but didn't necessarily have the, the DNA at that time of, of who we are. And one of the things that I've found is that it's not just a good idea, this whole idea of heartbeats of DNA. It's not just a good idea. It's not a clever maxim. It's not something that's been thought up to fulfill a particular purpose. It's literally just an expression of who we are. The whole idea of honor, excellence, advancement, reaching out and togetherness. It just sums up who we are. And what I love is, you know, it's not one man's vision statement. It's just what God intends for his people. So they'd, they'd had two relatively quick transitions, the church in Macedon. Um, so within the space of a couple of years, there are two fairly significant transitions um, in, in church leadership there. And it, people were kind of like, oh, what's going on? But we've, ca- we've come in to a place where I was like real excited, you know, like I've been sent, it's going to be amazing, call of God, it's going to be great, expansion. And then we've come into this place and actually had to engage in people's lives. Oh, <laughs> there, there has been, um, through the course of this year, a few little, uh, I don't even know how to describe this, but for different people, grief from these transitions has outworked in a couple of different ways. And so initially there were people that had left the church and then they've kind of been away for a while and they've realized actually that's our home. And so they've kind of come back and re-engaged and connected there. There are other people that sort of, it was maybe six months after the transition, were going, ah, Flip, what are we doing? All of the little issues became big issues. And, we, you know, just through that process of love, through that process of conversation, communication, 
Christian. We've just found that that's turned around. And then even now 12 months for some of those that appeared all good early on, I'm just starting now to have some of these conversations. And it's been a real privilege. And I love the heart that people have for God's house, regardless of where they are, how they are impacting. There's just something that is intrinsic to anyone that has been a Christian for any length of time, that we know that the house of God is important. But sometimes there, you know, and and what I've seen is that there have been particularly grief moments. And for those that maybe didn't process particularly in that space at the start, um, it's sort of coming out now when we're sort of working through that. But it's just been awesome to to grow and, and, and to enter into that with them at National Conference a couple of years ago, there was a speaker, what's the, the Indian man's name? Samuel Chand. Sam Chand. And he said this line, which was, which was pretty awesome. And it's just, I've seen this in my space. He said, how you manage crisis as a leader will um, take you from being a preacher to being a pastor. And so, we've, you know, this ch- the, the church in Macedon has had these, these moments of like, oh my goodness, what's going on? And just being into that space has taken me into a place of actually being these people's pastors without me actually knowing what I'm doing, without me having a grand plan, just me turning up each day and saying, Holy Spirit, what's next? What do I need to do today? And the conversations that I have, what's happening? So it's just been, you know, for us, that's probably been part of the really quick knitting in. The, the phrase that people always ask, it seems, is how are you settling in? How are you settling into Macedon? And I would say, I'm settling in by the grace of God. <laughs> I'm settling in way quicker than I would have expected. Purely because I'm not sitting with people in their triumph, but I'm walking with people through the hard stuff. And when we walk together through the hard stuff, I just know that it's this whole knitting together and it brings strength and unity. And I love what God's doing in, in Macedon. It's a privilege to be a part of it. We've had, all, all that I've really done is I started the year preaching from the heartbeats. And then we've just tried to work on that. I've taken what I knew from here. I've transplanted what of that was, was relevant to the Macedon church. And life is going good. We're getting people coming in and the feedback is, hey, man doing a great job. So that feels good for me. That's enough of tooting my own trumpet. Um, But God is doing a good thing. And uh, even into this place of leadership within the Equippers movement and just getting a few more of the the ear to the train tracks about what God's doing around the world. And um, I'm sure you've probably heard it, but just right around the, the Philippines, India, looking into Africa, and then even like Rome. Rome gets me really excited for a a church in Rome to have never been over 200 for a Protestant congregation. And then a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago, um, Equipers Rome launched their service with 250 people. It's the first time there's been a service over 200 people since the Reformation in Rome. God is doing incredible things right around the world, and we get to be part of it. I never, I never fully understood it, and I'm just trying to maybe communicate a little part of what you are a part of in this church. But it doesn't just influence here. It doesn't just influence New Zealand, but it is engaged right across the world. And, and seeing that to another level has been a privilege. Um, just seeing, you know, the, the guys doing their thing and, and just how things fall into place has just been incredible. Um, have you guys heard the story of, um, Pastor Sam with the Brazil connection? 
Yeah, okay, cool. So that was, that's incredible as well. We just do what we do really well. And then something like five years down the line, Sam gets an invite. Pastor Sam, sorry, I should say that on stage. Pastor Sam gets an invite to Brazil. Can't do it last year. Can come this year. Young Adults Conference. You've heard the story apparently, which is great. But out of that now, there's this massive church network thing that's exploding in Brazil. And who knows what God's going to do there just, just because we do what we do. So don't despise each week. How many know in church you can go, come into a Sunday and not really have too much expectation? It's kind of like, okay, that's another Sunday. Just remember that when you come in the doors here every Sunday, this is actually supernatural. If it wasn't for the, the grace of God, if it wasn't for the obedience of Jesus to the cross, this stuff couldn't happen. This stuff doesn't happen naturally. It doesn't happen naturally. So let's not despise, I'm not saying you are, but let's not despise what we can see as, oh, it's just natural, it's just another Sunday, it's just what we do. But this is actually an incredible supernatural environment. And you never know who's sitting next to you. You never know who's sitting next to you and, and what significance they're going to have in their lives. Now that significance may be with one child. That significance may be with with one person, that significance may be with 10,000, that significance may impact millions of people. But how many know, we just look around, just take a look to the person to the left, to the person to the right. Your job is real simple, let's just love one another. What does that look like? Well, I'm, I'm afraid to say that as I look at this a little bit more, it's about the denial of self. <laughs> the person that you've looked at to the left, the person that you've looked at to the right, sometimes you might need to put them ahead of yourself. Their comfort might need to come ahead of yours, but that, that's what I've, I've found this year, is we just encourage people in that, you know, strength to strength, kingdom advances, what Jesus did on the cross was so revolutionary in that time, but that revolution continues today, because in the world, how many know that self first, that's what everyone says, right, take care of yourself, make sure you've got enough for yourself, you know, you do you, Take care of your own business, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately, it's hollow. So maybe that's encouraging. I don't really know. We'll see how we go. <laughs> the, uh, the youth group in Masterton at the end of last year was down at about, it was about 10 kids, 10 kids coming out. And it really just came down to just a bit of a, an incoherence with the team. And so we've just sort of worked there and we've seen from 10 or 12 each Friday, youth is just steadily growing to where we're now about 40 to 50 youth each Friday. And I'm going to tell you the best thing. It's got nothing to do with me. It's got nothing to do with me. I just, uh, I have this guy Kawana in my church, he's, he's a great guy, and I just said, here you go, man, see what you can do, Let's, we'll talk about it at the end of the year. <laughs> Why? Because I look at the sign in my office and it says unqualified. I've got no idea what to do. I've got no idea how to reach the youth of, of Masterton, but what I do know is that God's given me an ability to find people, to build into people, to love people to a place where he's doing something significant. And this is a guy, he's going to be way better than me. Man, I love what God's doing in his life. He's taken him on a journey, et cetera, et cetera. But in that space, it's been 
pretty awesome. And I just want to encourage you out of that, what he's done really well and what I've given him permission to do and what I believe is the permission for us. In life, sometimes we wait for someone else to point out a problem for us to solve. We're, we're almost like sitting in the vehicle and we feel like we're at a red light and we're waiting for it to turn green. But what I want to encourage you is just know that you're sitting in a vehicle, the light is green. God is, is calling you to look and see what's happening in the world. But here's the thing, if we go in and drive the car without what we would call covering, I find that sometimes the car just goes around in circles. And I can go a long way, but it's in circles. And so what I've encouraged with Kawana is do what you want to do. Come up with your plan, bring it back to me. Let me know what's happening. Let me know what you want to do. Let me know what you need. We'll see, yep, okay, that was good. Maybe that wasn't the right decision. And he's just gone from strength to strength. So I want to encourage you, as part of being a believer, we're called to have initiative. Because here's the thing, if, if he left it up to me to tell him how to run that, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough necessarily vision, I don't have enough understanding of Masterton, and it would take me a whole bunch of time to, to get on that. So when you look at your world, what can you do in the world that you're positioned in that church leadership would never be able to see? And then, okay, maybe we can work a plan. Now, not everything works out, so we don't hold on to anything too tightly. But how can you be the church in your environment? The image of God is implanted upon you. Each and every one of you carries the image of God. How are you showing that image in the world that you're in? For some of us, it might be as simple as being a little bit more diligent at work. For some of us, it might be as simple as talking a little bit gentler, being a little bit more slow to react. Maybe for It's real simple, right? Real simple. But what it does is it disciples us, and it shifts our world there. So don't wait for the green light. Just get moving, submit the plan, and then if the red light comes, man, you've got to stop, because otherwise the cops will get you. But be the change that you want to see. We've just had the elections. Government won't change anything. I'm, that's probably slightly, I don't know, I might get shot for saying that or something. But I've, I've been alive even for long enough to understand that government will just talk and they'll do their thing and it'll just cycle and it'll just continue and society will continue to uh, and all of that sort of stuff. And so it's actually up to us. And here's the thing, you cannot legislate the heart of man. You cannot make laws that tell someone to be generous. You can't make laws that convince someone to be good. But what you can do is show them. Show them a better way. This is what it means to be an apostolic house. We take the culture of heaven and people see it in our lives. But if they don't see it in our lives, then they're probably not going to be influenced by it, right? So what are people seeing out of your life that is influencing them that actually, this per I mean, first of all, do they know that Jesus is your king, right? Because it doesn't matter if they, if they do know that or not. But Ultimately, if they do know that, you've got a whole lot of extra responsibility. <laughs> yeah, if they know you're a Christian and you're late.
How many know that we serve a healing God? We had a, we had a girl by the name of Danielle who was at home and as teenage girls do, swinging on a chair, fell off, landed on her hand and her thumb um, was just completely gone. There was just nothing. Well, it wasn't gone, it was still there. <laughs> I realised what I said when I said it. But so the, the thumb just wouldn't move, it was... Uh, went through all of the tests I put on my physio hat. I was like, <laughs> probably should go get that scanned. <laughs> had it scanned, saw orthopedic specialists, no idea what's wrong. MRIs, we don't really know what's happening. You know, all of that sort of stuff was up at Shout. And this had been about four or five weeks since this thumb had been like this. Um, not only was it not moving, but it, she was sleeping maybe two hours a night, just in pain, which... For, for a lot of us is hard enough to deal with, but she's like a 14, 15-year-old girl, 16-year-old girl maybe, and just life is just miserable. Yet there's enough stuff to deal with as a teenager these days without being in pain all the time and not sleeping. And But she was in this moment at Shout, and it was nothing to do with healing, but she just went down and said, hey, Holy Spirit, don't really know what's happening. It's just this encounter moment. I kind of need you to do something. No one else is telling me what the answer is. And so with a relatively straightforward faith, said, I need you to move. Felt the power of God come manifest itself in a way that just from the top of your head down to out to the end, end of it, just felt this warm flow, this fire, this heat. And was like, what the heck is this? Freaked out. Hadn't experienced it before. And then was like, you know, finished, went back to her seat and was like, What the heck? <laughs> Pain-free, full movement. Now, I, being a mighty man of faith, said, well, let's just make sure that we get this verified. You know, still looking through my physio hat. Let's make sure we get it checked out, etc., etc. So she went and um, had, you know, had, the, had the appointment and then was scheduled for another orthopedic consult, um, and they said, hey, we can probably cancel that appointment. It's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I probably should have known that. When she, when she said, I'm healed, I probably should have gone, cool. <laughs> awesome, praise Jesus. <laughs> anyway. That's a pretty obvious example of, of God moving, but there are so many times in life where we take something that is supernatural for, almost for granted. We take something that is supernatural as though it is, is plain, we treat it with a little bit of contempt, and oh, maybe I should probably verify that first, and actually, you know, I don't really. So that was a good learning for me. That was a good learning for me. God heals. Huh. But not only does he heal, he heals things that I don't think can be healed. Because I'm a physio, so I know how the body works. <laughs> Was a physio, not anymore. <laughs> so what in, what in your life is, do you see, actually, I don't think God could move there. I've got too much knowledge, I understand that God can't shift my finances because I understand how finances work. God can't heal me because I understand how the body works. Some, sometimes we're just going to have to go, actually, I don't, I don't want to understand. 
I don't want to understand. I just need you. We're moving through. We're moving through. God heals. I've got two left. Two left. There was a, a guy that I met in church, and his name was Flash. His name was Raymond Gordon, but they called him Flash, Flash Gordon. And I met him, I met him at, the, at the start of the year, and um, Flash used to be a boxer, and so he had some head injury stuff, and was just quite a little bit quiet, couldn't really, hey Matt, how you doing? And he'd been in church for years, he'd been in church for, you know, for a long time, people had been just you know, bringing him to church, taking him meals just over, I don't know how long it was, probably four or five years. And at the start of this year, we just started to have a couple of encounters and he's the kind of guy that I didn't really know what to think. Like, is, this okay? is he okay? What's going on in this space? And he, and he comes to me one day and he says, um, the Holy Spirit is telling me that today's the day to give up smoking. And so I was like, are you sure? Like I say, no, I'm not very good. I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, well, let's pray. So we prayed. Holy Spirit, you've given the conviction. I ask that you would take that away. Next day, no smokes. That week, a couple of smokes. My friend Kawana said, hey, if you, you, know, if you go four weeks, I'll take you for McDonald's. But it, so he'd used, he used up his smoke supply. They're all gone. Don't want to waste them. <laughs> but so in that moment, a guy that had smoked for however many years, just like that. Holy Spirit. Now the story gets a little bit sad because in March, I, I stopped seeing Flash. I was like, oh, I don't really know where he is. Didn't really know. His, we didn't have any connections to the family. Um, but his, his head injury had deteriorated. And so he had been sent down to Wellington Hospital. We won't go into the medical side of things. Um, had a bit of a recovery, was, came up to, back to Master and was on the rehab ward. And I managed to find out he's on the rehab ward. So I went in and um, I saw him there and he just, he turned and he was just like, <sighs> now that, it's not me. We'll just make that abundantly clear. But Flash, had, he'd lost the ability to speak. He'd lost the ability to swallow. So he couldn't eat and he couldn't talk. Now, he was never really particularly loud, but Flash was a man of praise. <laughs> and so I was just able to sit with him f over the course of a few, um, a few weeks you know, every so often, um, he gave me a ukulele that he wanted me to go and learn a song for him on this ukulele. The ukulele didn't really get in tune, so it was a little bit difficult, but I made it work. We had some, we had some moments just in the chapel at the hospital, just sitting with this guy, and I was like, I should probably have a, a way to communicate here, but it's a little bit difficult. And so I just said, I'm just going to say some things. And if it's what you're thinking, then you can just like, he was a boxer, so I said, just punch me. <laughs> he always wanted to have a scrap. We were in different weight classes. We were in different weight categories, but he always wanted to ha have a bit of a scrap. And 
So what I found was in, in this moment, I was having to be a mouthpiece for someone else's praise. And I was like, flip, how do I, how do, I do this? I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Holy Spirit, in this moment, move. And we had, we had tears. We had, I was laughing. He was kind of going, no sound was coming out. And anyway, he was in this rehab ward, was, was doing better, um, but started to get a bit frustrated with life, couldn't talk, couldn't eat. So um, sort of ran away from hospital a couple of times. Third time, had a fall, hit his head again, and uh, went into a coma, ended up going down to Wellington Hospital where the family made the decision to move him to palliative care because he was not able to... Um, they, you know, they said, well, he's probably not going to recover. So I heard, okay, he's back to Masterton. So I went in and the family, I was invited by the family, which was really nice. Was able to come and just sit, listen, love. So cool. To, one of the things I keep pinching myself, I think it's a bit strange that this is a job because this is not a job, this is a vocation. This is the stuff that each and every one of us are called to. So I went, I went in and, and just prayed and I knew the state of his heart. I knew who was Flash's king. I knew who, who was Flash's hope. I knew who was Flash's salvation. And so just in a moment in there, he was... Um, in a coma on palliative care um, just walked in grabbed his hand started praying started speaking life started speaking hope and it doesn't end in a resurrection it doesn't end in Flash making a re miraculous recovery it ends with Flash passing away so just before we get too excited but just in a moment of he, he's in his coma. I'm sitting there next to this bed. My hand's in his hand. I said, hey, man, you want to go a couple more rounds? Gives me a bit of a squeeze. I was like, okay, so he's hearing. So this is awesome. So I was just able to say, you've beat me. <laughs> what, what a... What really stuck out about for me was with the family sitting around, they were, they were talking, they were remembering Flash and they were remembering what he was like as a young man. And Flash, as a young man, the word that was thrown around was ratbag. The word that was thrown around was rascal. Flash had had and I don't really know how to explain it because I wasn't there at that point, but he'd had a sort of a near-death experience. And in that space, he had been confronted with the weight of his life, the decisions that he'd made up to that point. He, he experienced that in, in this moment. When he came, so when he came back, Flash was, he was in church every week putting his hand up. I need Jesus' salvation. I need the love of God. Every week, right? And... They were talking about, yeah, he was a rascal, but then he also loved. Now, so that's where he was, but he's turned into this man who loves so abundantly. 
and it was just putting flesh on the scripture that he who has been forgiven much loves much. (laughs) And just in a moment to minister with that with the family and to engage in hospital and church, uh, what a privilege. How do I find myself sitting in Masterton Hospital helping this family go through the death of their dad, their, the, his father was still alive, so the loss of a son, the loss of a brother. I don't know. I'm completely unqualified. Not prepared for this. No experience. Oh, okay, I'll just be love. And I'll do that the best that I can. Because it turns out that love is enough. <laughs> it turns out that for a lot of people, love is in short supply. It turns out that for a lot of people, love is not a day-to-day experience. Sometimes in a community like this, we know love, we know support, even through the good stuff, through the hard stuff. But for a lot of people like Flash, like Flash's family, love was not a normal thing. And the family said through the process, I, I was able to, um, had the privilege of being in the space of taking Flash's funeral and just the the testimonies and what came out. And the family was just like, it's really easy to love someone who is lovable. But somehow for years, you guys loved someone who was unlovable in terms of what society might call it. And I just, I feel like maybe in this space, there's an anointing just in this moment to encourage, to exhort us to, find the unlovable who in your world is hard to love now it might be someone who's immensely successful might be someone who has made a whole bunch of bad decisions there it doesn't matter there are a lot of people in world in this world that present themselves as unlovable but the love of Jesus is able to what does it say while we were still sinners Christ died for us the 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 man that we claim to follow, the man that we claim and proclaim as king, showed us what we need to do. It's a pretty simple blueprint to live the Christian life. Find those that are hard to love and love them. Because it influenced Flash's life. It changed his life. It gave him comfort, friendship, relationship. But more than that, it spoke to his family. And out of that space, I've had conversation after conversation, people saying, oh man, that whole church thing, I never really thought about it or I had an an experience, but I feel like Flash wants me to come. And so just over the course of a few years of the church, and again, I say, I was just the interface. I didn't really do any of the loving. I was just the interface for what the the church had done. But it spoke to this community. We, We had probably about 220 people out for the funeral of family, friends, and they were all just like, oh my goodness. The the love of Jesus is louder than words. The love of Jesus is greater than pain. The love of Jesus goes beyond death. The love of Jesus conquered death. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.